chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. So we're really excited. This is the first virtual version of the Something Extra podcast for us. So this is kind of a milestone for us. I'm really excited to have Brandon Mann on the show today. Brandon is the CEO, co-founder, and managing partner of Kingdom Capital, and the founder and executive chairman of Biblical Business Training. Brandon, I am so glad that this worked today for us to spend some time together on the Something Extra podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's an honor being with you. I'm a huge fan. Many time listeners, they'd say first time participant. (laughs) Well, good. Well, thank you for listening. And I know that your story and everything we're going to talk about today, I know that it's going to resonate with our listeners and there's going to be a lot of great takeaways for them. But let's go in and get started. I mean, you and I have already talked a little bit and I'm thinking, how are we going to fit everything we want to talk about (laughs) into this one 30 minute podcast? But we're going to do our best here. So did you grow up in St. Louis? I know a little bit about your background, but I can't remember if we talked about that. Sure. I grew up in Hannibal, Missouri. And the first thing people tend to think about uh, Hannibal, Missouri is Tom Sawyer and Mark Twain. And so I had the privilege of growing up there. I was born there. My parents still live there. They're in their late 80s. I have a sister who lives in the area as well. So Hannibal is home to me. Another little fun fact is that I was actually a tour guide at the Mark Twain cave, the same cave system that Mark Twain explored as a child. And that in the book, Tom and Becky were lost. So I, I had the privilege of serving as a cave guide there for a couple of years, met people from all over the world. And I'm very thankful for my hometown. I love Hannibal, Missouri. I remember one year for Christmas, what we decided to do, because, you know, Greg and I are originally from Kentucky, uh, moved here right after college. So one year for Christmas, what we did for our parents was we gave them a week in St. Louis. <laughs> So we brought them both up, put them in a nice hotel, and then did all the things. But Hannibal was one of the things that we did with them. And that was just so much fun. I love that. So you grew up in Hannibal, and then you went to college, obviously, and then you were in corporate America for a while. So talk to us just a little bit about your education.
educational journey and then what you did for a profession. For me, I was very fascinated with business, specifically finance and investments. And so here I was in Hannibal, Missouri. I would walk down to the local Edward Jones office and I would borrow the two-day-old paper. Now, they let me keep it, but uh, the point was I would take it home. My parents were both in the medical field. So my dad's a pediatrician, my mom was an RN, and then became a pilot, which is a probably a whole other story. Yes, uh, <laughs> both amazing people. And there I am with the Wall Street Journal, you know, a few days old, but looking at it on the kitchen table and and uh, they're kind of curious about that because there wasn't a heavy business focus in my family. But ultimately, I went to Mizzou. I was very privileged to uh, get in, as I say, because I hadn't found my focus. And then I did in <laughs> business. So I really wanted to go to the business school. My sweetheart at the time, my high school sweetheart, who is now my wife of 27 years, mm-hmm. was attending the J school. So she went to the very prestigious school and I was just glad to get in. And frankly, she inspired me. She was very focused in journalism. She went on to a great ad agency career before we we were blessed to have our first child, Logan, uh, who's 17 now. And I pursued a degree in finance and then realized that I was able to get another major in real estate investment, which complemented is both in the finance department. And along the way, as God would have it, my plan was to go to Wall Street. And that meant at the time, finishing my undergrad, quickly getting a job in some investment bank. And working my way up a bit for a few years and then getting an MBA. But God had such a better plan. I would love for the listeners to hear that. If you hear anything in my voice today, hear holding a bit loosely to your own plan and let God do the heavy lifting. Because who would have known that a finance professor, a highly regarded finance professor, not only at Mizzou, but around the country named Dr. David West, would ask me to become his research and teaching assistant which was a fantastic opportunity, not only for me to engage in, you know, in deeper studies at a higher level, but also I was able to host CEOs and business leaders from all around the country who would come to speak at these finance courses at Mizzou. He was incredibly well-networked. The other thing about Dr. West that I didn't know, at least initially, is he was also a practitioner. So he ran an investment fund off campus. So he's very hands-on, practical Mm -hmm. experience. And I had a role that enabled me to also work off campus in the investment fund. And so I had this wonderful blend. I could have never predicted this. Only God would have had Like an MBA. Yes, and I- (laughs) While you were getting your undergrad. And then I went on to get my MBA. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm still at Mizzou, working for Dr. West, and with him, just had amazing experiences. Ultimately, I graduated, but uh, it wasn't until I had learned so much from him about both the academic side, which are the theories and understanding Mm -hmm. how things kind of fit together, and then the practical side, how do you really get things done? What a blessing. And like you said, we do have sometimes our own plans, and then God just comes in and surprises us with something that we could not have even imagined at the time. So what a wonderful uh, education you had. <laughs> Very blessed. And I think yeah. about Romans eight twenty eight. in all things, God works them for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So he, mm-hmm. all things, which may be very frustrating at the time, he works those for the good of of us who love him and are, are working to advance his kingdom in the way he's given us. So I say, hold those 
hold those plans with an open hand and open heart and open mind to see what God has planned. That is great advice. Well, I want to talk about there is a gentleman here in St. Louis, David Stewart, who founded the great company Worldwide Technology. Everybody knows about Worldwide at some juncture, you and David met, but I do want to talk a little bit about his journey. He wasn't able to join us today, but can you talk a little bit about that, Brandon? And I know that he started as a salesperson for FedEx, correct? And ended up being salesperson of the year, was honored by Fred Smith, and then he did something that no one expected. Yes, that juncture in his career, he was had reached the pinnacle, as he would say, and at the pinnacle, he was inducted into the Sales Hall of Fame at Federal Express. They had talked about an incredible executive career for him. It was there for the taking, right? It was mm-hmm. he had proven just how talented he was. Leading up to that, you, you may be interested to know that he also had an incredible career in the railroad industry, which led him all the way back to when he grew up in Clinton, Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> he literally grew up on the railroad tracks. I mean, it was on, as he would say, He grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, but the tracks were so close, it was almost like they grew up on them. Now, I've been to the home area. The home is long gone that he actually grew up in, but the same plot of land uh, is still in the family. And so I had the privilege of seeing it, and literally there's a railroad spur that bisects the property. So he has come a long way. And he never, you know, in in the time he was growing up, schools and communities were were segregated. It was very Mm -hmm. challenging. He would not let those negative forces slow him down for what, mm-hmm. as he would say. They didn't define him, did they, Brandon? No, he he learned from his parents the power of love and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And the power of love and forgiveness. God's love conquers all. And by forgiving, you're able to then move on to the incredible blessings that God has for you. Those are his words. I've heard David speak several times, but I also just remember reading that even as a young man, God planted something in his heart and he did not like seeing the segregation. He didn't like seeing how some people were not included. And he always thought he would love to one day lead people and lead them in a different way. And so God planted something in his heart, even as a young man. So what did he do? He Here he is, like you said, he's at the pinnacle of his career, inducted into the Sales Hall of Fame for Federal Express, which is a phenomenal company, by the way. And then he did something that no one expected. And a lot of people were telling him he was crazy <laughs> to do. And as you said, he saw the power of love and forgiveness. He also saw his father model entrepreneurialism, looking for opportunities to serve others and to make a job, develop an opportunities, we would say, where there really wasn't one. And that's what Dave sought to do as he transitioned from Federal Express. So he began to think, I've taken jobs, so to speak, meaning he's been an employee for many years, FedEx and then the railroads before that, and some jobs right out of college. But ultimately, he said, you know, I think it's time for me to give back. And the way I want to do that is to create a business or buy a business. He ended up buying a couple businesses and uh, he did it very creatively. So I have a finance background, but he's the guy that will always say, look, I'm not a finance guy. And when he says that to you, be careful because he really understands. He really is. <laughs> yeah, he was, he's very creative. And so he bought essentially an auditing company that 
audited freight bills for the railroad. And essentially with the pricing and charging process that they had, there was often an overcharge or an undercharge. There were different regulations that had to be audited. And so his companies did that. One did it for the customers. Ultimately, one did it for the railroads. And what's fascinating is the way they provided value to their customers. Of course, he knew the business given his previous experience, but how they actually accomplished this up to 40 times faster than the manual process of the time is that they were doing some very primitive, as he would say, but effective local area networking. And they did that in a way that allowed their folks to process it so much faster. Now, by the late 80s, technology had sort of caught up in the railroads to where they were. And so Dave saw that the need for the railroads to having that's outsourced by them, it was being done in-house now. So he began to look and say, okay, am I really in the auditing business or Mm -hmm. am I really in the technology solutions business? Mm And it was from that question and the answer that he, that he had was that, no, I'm in the technology business, that he founded Worldwide Technology in 1990 with five people and 4,000 square feet. And from day one, it was called Worldwide Technology. <laughs> one of his buddies once remarked, he said, well, I heard the name, then I saw your space. And I, I didn't even think it was wall-to-wall technology. You were so small, so much less worldwide. So. Yes, but God put that vision in his heart. You know, I'm just thinking about businesses today. You have to look at what's going on around you and say, you know, maybe it's time to pivot. (laughs) And that's precisely what Dave did. And he said, I'm not going to be an auditing company anymore. I think I, I need to be a technology company. That's exactly right. In innovation, he is an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, regardless if, if it's a small business or a large business, we really have to look, again, Romans 8.28, look and see what is happening here. And it may not fit our immediate plan or even our perfect plan, but God has a better plan. And when you, when you sort of frame things in that way, you're looking for the opportunity in the challenge and in the change. And that's key. That's Dave's heart and mindset is always looking to see what is God doing and how do I join him on his plan versus mine. Right. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Brandon Mann. As a business leader, you know that keeping a solid first impression with your potential clients, customers, and talent is vital to reaching your organization's goals. If you haven't optimized your website, or if you don't even have a website, you're missing an opportunity to shape your first impression so that it shows your brand in the best possible light. If you're thinking about revolutionizing your website, let's talk. Our team at Technology Partners is ready to help you reshape your online presence. Go to tpi.co slash websites and start your journey today. Welcome back, everyone. Brandon, how did you and David Stewart meet? As God would have it, I had volunteered for a mentoring program through my church in collaboration with the Minority Business Council and the Black Leadership Roundtable. And and the essence of this was to bring people from various industries and experience together with the minority business community that was looking for not only mentors and, and advisors, but to do it in a way, and this is why the church was involved, based on Christian values, based on biblical values. I thought it was a wonderful idea. And I raised my hand and and was matched with a few small businesses and their owners. And one of those owners in particular kept encouraging me to meet one of his other mentors. 
And when I found out it was David Stewart, I was blown away because I had not met Dave directly, just knew him, you know, from Worldwide's incredible reputation and, and their work in philanthropic endeavors and their giving heart. So I, I just had this admiration for him. And about the same time, his book was coming out, Doing Business by the Good Book. And so uh, we happened to be on a conference call with this, this business owner, and I heard Dave's incredible wisdom. We talk about grace and truth in the Bible, right? Jesus came full of grace and truth, you know, in the Gospel of John. And I, I could hear hear those elements in Dave's comments as he was sharing his thoughts with this business owner. And I'm like, hey, I need some of that too. And so I reached out to Dave really under the guise of, hey, I want to make sure I'm mentoring in line with how you're mentoring this business owner. But by the end of that meeting, I said, hey, Dave, would you mentor me too? And he said, I thought I was. So I said, perfect. We just keep doing this. So that was in the early 2000s when I started that mentoring program. And then by 2004, Dave and I were connected. That's when the book came out. And what's interesting about the journey is that as he was mentoring me, God's doing things in my life, like Dave's mentoring. I was involved in some Bible studies along the way. God called me to start a Bible study at work. I didn't want to do that. And for many of the listeners may say, well, I probably get a long list of why not. You think, gosh, you know, you don't want to impede on the work environment or be, you know, maybe distract and other challenges. I certainly had that list and more. The other side of it is I didn't really feel capable of doing that. It was very encouraging. And I began with a coworker. And that's a story, Lisa, we have to unpack some other day. But I was connected with this coworker who God had called me to start this Bible study with before work on Thursday mornings. We just got together with our coworkers. Now, we studied the book of James. The book of James is very practical. It's, it's yeah, for that's the- a great book to start. It's small. <laughs> Five chapters, six chapters. And you just take your time. You kind of methodical. Right. And it's very practical. It even speaks to business people at one point. It says, you know, you say that you're going to go to this town and do this work or business. How do you know that? Your life is but a mist. And what you should say is, if the Lord wills it, we will go to this town and do this thing. So I share, I share that with you because the book of James was so powerful. And many of your, your listeners have been part of small group experiences. So envision this. We're sitting there after many weeks of studying the book of James with our coworkers. And by the way, this was a very diverse group. The only thing we had in common is we worked together. So this Bible study was filled with men and women of different ages, backgrounds. Some had a church background, some didn't. It was open to anyone. And it was, again, from 7 to 7.45. So we were we were wrapped up long before the work they started and technically mm-hmm. it was 8 o'clock. So I share that with trying to paint this picture. And what happened is as we're studying God's word, this amazing community would form with accountability and encouragement. And what that looks like is we read scripture. Now, remember, we, we're all coworkers. While not directly working with each other, we understood each other's responsibilities. So a coworker of mine may read, hey, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow, slow to, to speak. anger. And you, mm-hmm. you go, well, you haven't met my client or my project. It's very challenging. Well, here's this accountability and encouragement naturally happening around the table. Say, hey, we understand what you're going through. Here's an idea of how to approach that. And we'll pray for you. And so we'll pray for you. Next time we're together, let's share how it goes. Now there's a positive accountability. There's that encouragement. Well, we get to the end of James and we're watching basically, I'm blown away. Remember, I was the guy that's like, hey, I'm not sure we should do this. And now at the end, 
these men and women and myself, first and foremost, we're like, oh my gosh, we don't want this to end because we're getting fed by God's word on how to apply it that day. And that became the real litmus question that anyone would ask, hey, great scripture, but how are we going to apply it right now? Right. Because it's Thursday. We've gone through three days. We're going, we got two more to go. We need this. That is where the mission of biblical business training was born, how to help people apply God's word to their work very directly. There's a few things in James I think about. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials because it works out perseverance. And and I'm thinking that's so apropos for where we are right now, right? This is kind of the funny thing. I think about the tongue, <laughs> taming the tongue. <laughs> and it was like you had a practice field <laughs> right there, didn't you? Every day. And people knew what you were reading. <laughs> and so it's like, hmm, Brandon. <laughs> and so I'll just speak first person. You know, I came to the Lord at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Hannibal, Missouri, right? And, and at a relatively young age. But what I noticed in my life is that there was the knowing versus the doing. And what I mean by that is for those of us that identify as Christians or follow biblical principles, or at least understand them, there's still a big gap between knowing it and actually living it out. You know, sometimes I got real cozy on a Sunday. Oh, yeah, this is a great sermon. But somehow by Monday, I fell into this, I'll call it a false dichotomy. And that is the Bible's really more personal focused, okay? But when it comes to business, there's just certain norms and approaches that you default into. And that's a false dichotomy. The reality is God's word applies to every aspect of our life, all of it. And so why carve out a piece and set it aside and say, no, Jesus, this really isn't you really may not understand this. You know, how ridiculous is that? And yet I think in my own behavior, what happened around that table with these coworkers is they began to share, hey, this is a struggle. How do we practically do this? How do we share this with each other? And what happened at the end of the book of James, we actually began to kind of wander a little bit trying to find the right material. Literally, I'm praying, don't let this Bible study fall apart because what we needed was to stay connected to the application of God's word. And so I, Dave's book, which I had had for several years by then, this was, by the way, just to frame this, this was late 2008, early 2009. And so I'd had the book for several years. I'd given it, I even had a, an opportunity to deliver the commencement address back at my alma mater at Mizzou in 2007 for the business school. And we gave the books to the graduating seniors who wanted them. It was, it was an opt-in. Mm -hmm. So I share that with you is here is this book staring me in the face as a great resource. And it was actually in prayer that God reminded me, look at Dave's look book. At book. Dave's right. book became the first curriculum for what then became biblical business training. What a beautiful, beautiful story. Well, I want to get into the, the current book, but I'm just thinking with Dave Stewart, it's almost like, a, I don't know what you'd call it, Davidisms or <laughs> Stewartisms. He's got so many of those. But I mean, I remember reading one is he said, I, I don't work to make a living. I work to make a giving. And his mission has always been to serve and really to hear him tell it. I mean, he believes that that is the secret to the success, you know, that he has just stayed surrendered and that he has tried to do business by the good book. And because of that, uh, you know, worldwide is 
has been tremendously successful. So there's a lot of those that I just think are worth mentioning. But that brings us to where we are today. So you and David have become friends and you're doing all kinds of things together. Then you founded Kingdom Capital which is what you're doing today. And I don't know if we'll have a little bit of time maybe to talk about that. But what I really want to do is I want to talk about this new book. Leadership by the Good Book. So in this book is a, a much expanded on Dave's first book, correct? But at the end, you've got questions and I was very blessed and humbled to kind of have a little preview of the book. So I I maybe have a little, a a week up on everybody on this book, but you know, there are so many different chapters in there about loving, serving, risk-taking. I mean, I don't know exactly how many sections, maybe. 10 sections, three chapters a piece for 30 chapters. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it is a very in-depth could be just an in-depth curriculum for someone. So are there some particular chapters in there that are just really close to your heart, Brandon, that you can kind of give us a little bit, whet our appetite a little bit, if you would. Well, thank you. And we are so excited about the book for multiple reasons. The first thing, I'm, I always have to check myself when someone says, hey, your book with David Stewart, I go, I look around and make sure they're talking to the right person. I have the privilege of listening to and learning from Dave every day with the work we do at Kingdom Capital, the way I serve and support him and worldwide, and then at Biblical Business Training or BBT, as we call it. And by the way, four years the book was written over a period of four years. Now, we all had multiple daytime jobs, so it was quite a journey, but it was an incredible labor of love. And what, one of the reasons that I'm so excited about this book is that it's written in first person so that when you read it, when the readers engage with it, they're hearing Dave's voice. And my commitment as his co-author was to ensure that the same voice, that same voice I heard years ago mentoring this small business owner, the same voice I hear every day, those Dave-isms, as you said, that they come through and that his voice is really an amplification of what God has done in his life. I've tell a quick story. Dave did not want the book written in first person. Back to his humility, his very cautious about drawing attention to himself. He wants to point people toward God's word. And so what we endeavored to do is to focus on the challenges that he faced, but God gets all the glory for the success. And that was a key element in the book. I have some favorite components in there. One I'm really excited for the listeners to read is in the opening of the book, there's a scene in 1993, and I'm not going to steal from the book's ability to engage with the reader, but there's a scene there that I think all the readers can relate to in some way. Dave was experiencing incredible adversity. It was just kind of crushing, you know, surrounding him. And he was reminded of how God's word is eternal and will meet you exactly where you are and provide you what you need to overcome that adversity. I want to at least tease the listeners to become readers because that opening scene is so powerful. It was not told in the first book. It's a scene that I was very excited for us to share in this book. It's emotional. There's a weight to what he's experiencing three years into the journey of worldwide. And I'll just say this, it wasn't going very well. In fact, all things that could go wrong 
had pretty much gone wrong at that point. Well, and Brandon, I am suspecting that is going to resonate with a lot of people right now. I was just on a call last week with a business owner here in St. Louis, and just based upon what they do, I mean, he basically said, Lisa, this has decimated our business, you know? And so I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate. With COVID-19, there's been a lot of adversity and a lot of really probably sleepless nights for a lot of people. Just to read that and see how how he made it through, and and obviously he did. So you know, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. One other quick section that I lo- that I'm very fond of, and it's a section called "Loving the Unlovable." And this is another thing about the human existence that I think we have some tension over. Gosh, you know, the golden rule, right? Love others as yourself. We think about God's love, right, as expressed through Christ. Like I around the BBT table early on, like okay, how do we really love? someone, right? That is a challenge. Well, this section talks about loving the unlovable and it's a Davism called loving them through it. Four words, loving them through it. And in this section, we just parse out each of those words and we explain to the reader and back it up with scripture. Again, the, there's a scriptural index in this book as well, which was not in the first book. There's some other interesting features that we should talk about too around leadership and how it integrates with BBT. But the loving them through it is like, how do you really do this? someone's disappointed you it's challenging to forgive mm-hmm. forget and all these emotions are there and again that's the type of wisdom god's wisdom through dave's voice that we're so excited for the readers to experience well you know one other thing and i forgot to talk about this and this is something extra i have to ask you <laughs> what is your something extra that you believe every leader needs Well, speaking for not only myself, but Dave, it would be a servant's heart. At Kingdom Capital, service is the first value we talk about. We use an acronym SHIELD for service, humility, integrity, excellence, love, and diversity. But really, it's that servant's heart. And and I think of of Jesus in in Mark 10, and we see this again in, in Matthew 20, where the disciples are arguing about who's going to be sit at his left hand, his right hand, kind of be, you know, his executive VPs, if you will. And he quickly reorients them. This isn't about rising to the top and lording over others as he uses that language, but kind of managing down. It's actually a race to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom. And how do you serve all of those for whom you are accountable and to whom you're accountable? And Dave, uh, same thing. We call it the inverse pyramid or inverting the pyramid. Instead of being at the top, you're at the bottom supporting. The beauty of Jesus washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. This imagery. Now, I do want to say something too, and this is about the something extra. That servant's heart sounds noble, right? Okay, we can do that. But I also heard this years ago from a friend, and he said, Brandon, you'll know the type of servant's heart you have by the way you respond when people actually treat you like a servant. It's not about always, hey, you know, let me do this for you. It's about literally lowering yourself, humbling yourself, one might say, to a point where people, you're not doing it for their thanks or for their appreciation. You're simply doing it out of God's love. And that's what Jesus modeled for us. He wasn't looking for a thank you. He was setting an example for us so that we can serve others. 
as he said, go and do likewise. Oh, goodness. You know, so how can people get a hold of this book? And and if they want to engage with BBT even, tell them how they can get involved. Absolutely. So the book is designed and integrated with BBT completely. What I mean by that is to get the book, you can go to b-b-t.org. That's just the BBT website, b-b-t.org slash leadership by the good book. There you'll see multiple ways of order, Amazon, Christian books, et cetera. There's multiple outlets. And again, the on-sale or publication date is officially May 12th. What you can expect though, is so much more than a book experience. It really is a movement. And here's what we mean by that. Each chapter wraps up with the leadership flywheel. This is the BBT leadership development Mm -hmm. model, but it's not exclusive to BBT. Learning, living, leading, and leaving a legacy for the Lord. Those are the four principles, if you will, of the leadership flywheel. So at the end of each chapter, the reader can do some self-reflective questions, and then there's a sample prayer. That's great because it allows us to do that kind of on our own. But also at the BBT website, you're going to find more resources. For example, for a small group experience, you can choose the book study. Now, this is more of the classic book discussion group where scripture will frame a bit of it, but it's more of a kind of that classic book discussion. Following that book study, you can move over to an in-depth Bible study, still oriented to the book, but goes deeper into scripture. Wherever you're on the journey, maybe you've been in a Bible study, in-depth Bible study for many years, the Bible study that accompanies the book is for you as well. Now, the transition from reader to leader is so important. In addition to an amazing curriculum, book study or Bible study, there's a whole library of studies so that Going back to my first small group that I was in with coworkers, you don't ever run out, right? You can always find the next version in leadership by the good book is there, obviously. That's what we're talking about, doing business by the good book. Dave's first book is also there, but there's a whole library available to you. A couple other right. things. We've got curriculum writers. I know. We've talked about We've it. got curriculum writers. We've got coaches. And thanks to technology partners, we have an amazing new technology platform coming out that enables the group leaders and the participants. And by the way, we th- we believe that anyone around the table can facilitate and lead. And thanks to you and your team at Technology Partners, Lisa, we have now the ability to resource them through technology that even enables virtual groups to meet. Which is <laughs> certainly needed right now, isn't it, Brandon? But Brandon, thank you so much for being on. I just, I know this is going to resonate with our listeners and there's going to be so many nuggets. I would encourage all of you to go out, get the book. It's going to be terrific. And and I promise you, because I've had, like I said, I was blessed to have a preview of the manuscript and uh, it's rich. It really is very, very rich. So thanks again, Brandon, for being on. This has been so much fun for me. Lisa, thank you for the honor and the privilege of joining you today. You are a blessing to us all. And God bless you and all of your organizations that you're serving. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.